Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. Less than three months ago, we saw gut-wrenching images of panicked Afghans desperate to escape the country before the United States pulled out. Since then, hundreds of unaccompanied Afghan children have arrived in the U.S. and Chicago, some without an official sponsor. And here in Chicago, it has not gone well for them. A searing investigation from ProPublica revealed that Afghan children in a Chicago shelter engaged in self-harm and in some cases have needed psychiatric hospitalization. Now lawmakers want action. Melissa Sanchez, a reporter for ProPublica, broke the story. And for too many of those kids, arriving here has been just as harrowing as leaving Afghanistan. The children and teens who came, they often would come with an adult who, either a parent or um, or somebody else in their family. But if they came with somebody who was not a parent, they're put into the custody of the federal government, the federal Office of Refugee Resettlement takes charge of any minors who enter the country and they're put into the country's shelter system. There's more than 100 shelters all over the place. And there's like a half dozen or so shelters in the city of Chicago. And some of those kids wound up entering that system uh, more than almost three months ago now. You're right. Where are their families? Some of the families are in Afghanistan. Some of the families are here. So the children who came with maybe an older brother or an aunt and an uncle Those two had to go into the shelter system until the government could decide that those relatives or those people who who they came with were appropriate adults who could care for them. And so those children might have spent a couple of weeks at the shelter while the government figured that out, while the caseworkers in the shelters could determine that that's like a safe place to put the child. Um, And so some of those families are actually on military bases here in the U.S. So those kids might have been placed there or with other relatives who live in the U.S., But those who came without a parent, and they might have come without a parent because the mom back home had to make this decision to send her kid and stay behind. Um, The the Taliban has checkpoints in different parts of the country. And I'm told by people who've worked with the kids that they might have been in a car on the way to the airport and the Taliban decided, you two can go and you two have to stay back. So in those moments, children might have been separated from their parents um, later at the airport or at military bases in other countries they might have been separated from their families and gotten onto a plane alone. I see. We know Chicago was chosen to host many of the evacuated children because the Heartland shelters, they have a relationship with the Office of Refugee Resettlement, and they've got a diverse staff that speaks many languages. But I want you to talk a bit more about that and tell us how many young Afghan evacuees are currently here in this city. Yeah, so Heartland is known nationally among all the shelter providers for having a very diverse staff that speaks languages uh, in addition to Spanish. The vast majority of kids who enter this country um, and in the shelter system are from Latin America. So Spanish is all you need to talk to the kids. But in Heartland, given the diversity of the community and how that organization works, they have staff that speak Urdu, that speak Arabic, that speak all sorts of languages. So, so over the years, they've gotten a lot of kids from India, from Russia, from Congo, from everywhere. But they didn't have staff who speak the languages that these children speak. Up until now, they don't have any staff that speak Pashto or Dari, which oh, are the main languages. Helpful. That's not helpful. It's been kind of one of the key problems that we uncovered last week. Um, There's just significant communication barriers between the children and the staff. And staff described to me how 
they they would have access to phones that they could use to call interpreters, but there's not enough phones. And if you have a really tense situation with one of these traumatized children, it can be hard to de-escalate when you can't speak directly to the kid. Tell us more about the conditions at Heartland's Bronzeville location, because yeah. as I mentioned, some of the kids have been hurting themselves and others. What's going on? <laughs> Right. So um, in all, there's about 80 Afghan kids in the Heartland shelters. Heartland has four shelters in the city, and the one in Bronzeville has about half of those kids, roughly 40. And according to records and interviews at this point with a lot of staff, current and former staff at Heartland, I learned that children were hurting themselves, were cutting themselves, were hurting other kids, or trying to, were threatening or harming staff physically or verbally. We're trying to run away. We're talking about wanting to die. We're trying to break windows. And it sounds just pretty awful. Um, and and I, I've written now at this point about Heartland Shelters for more than three years. We started looking at what was happening there in 2018. You might remember during Trump's zero tolerance policy, there was a lot of chaos in the shelters because children were separated from their parents at the border. And right. Um, there's a lot of trauma, and the workers I've spoken with all have told me that the chaos and the and, and, and the exhaustion and the stress that they're experiencing now is worse than in 2018. Um, I got ambulance records that show that 911 was being called repeatedly to take kids who had psychiatric issues or, um, you know, expressing suicidal ideation, and the staff... Um, told me and wrote an email to their bosses that they felt really overwhelmed and unable to adequately respond. And so when you have the adults who are supposed to take care of these children telling you that they don't feel capable of doing that, that's a huge problem. And I think it's both because of the, the language issue that was, that was very key, but also Heartland suddenly got a giant number of children with high levels of trauma mm-hmm. from a country that they weren't used to getting children from. Um, so you have to remember that most of the kids who enter the shelter system are from Latin America, are from Central America. And a lot of the kids kind of know what to expect because they've had uncles or brothers or, or aunts who have gone through this before. So they know you're going to go to the border, you're going to turn yourself in, the mm-hmm. government's going to put you into the shelter system, you're going to get food and, 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 and a roof for two or three months while they figure out that they can send you to your tia Julana in, in Miami or, you know, whoever. And they, they know the drill. And, and these, these kids did not know the drill. They came, are confused, could barely communicate with folks, and were really worried about their own families back home. And I can't imagine the stress of having lived, I mean, their entire lives. Right. Um, they've lived in a country that's, that the U.S. has been at war with. Who's, um, who's so, responsible for the conditions there, Melissa? I mean, ultimately, it's the federal government. It's the Office of Refugee Resettlement. But Heartland has a contract. They've had a contract with ORR for a while now. So I think both entities are responsible for the care of the children. Let's talk about the response from Illinois senators. At this point, Senators Duckworth and Durbin, they've both written letters to the Department of Health and Human Services and the Office of Refugee Resettlement asking for an investigation. So what message do you think this sends? I mean, that people are paying attention and that what was happening at this shelter was unacceptable. And I think it's really important to know that this did not have to happen this way. Like, there was a lot of chaos and disorganization. Maybe people did not know to expect that children would come here alone. 
But there's another example that we can look at. In Michigan right now, they, they had set up this, like, emergency shelter for kids. And at this shelter, they had an interpreter who spoke Pashto or Dari or both in every single one of the residences where the kids are. Um, and, and they did not do that here. So that's on ORR. It's on the federal government for not having done this. I can't speak to what Heartland did or didn't do in the weeks, you know, in the, the more than 70 days that the kids have been there. Mm-hmm. But I think it's the responsibility of both entities to have, you know, provided adequate care. What has improved in the shelter since the senators have spoken out? Bobby Rush, first, I want to know, um, Representative Bobby Rush spoke out last week, too. But on Saturday, interpreters started showing up. So that's really significant. Okay, that's good. Um, there's going to be 36 by the end of the week. So workers say kids are calmer and like they're delighted now because they can talk a little bit more <laughs> easily with the kids. But Durbin, Duckworth, Rush all asked for Heartland to get more support um, on the mental health side. Uh, Heartland says that there's significant systemic barriers that they make it challenging to get kids a psychiatric care that they need. So I hope that this intervention by, by lawmakers will get the kids the mental health assistance that they need. Mm-hmm. Um, the interpreters are there, but there's still like the mental health crisis. Senator Duckworth also called for a review of the cases of children who have been in Heartland's care for a long time to find culturally competent foster homes for the ones with no family or or friends that can sponsor them. What else do you think lawmakers can do, Melissa? Um, I I don't know. I mean, that's a really great thing that she brought up because the longer kids are there, the harder it's going to be on them and the more behavioral or suicidal issues we, we might wind up seeing. The foster care system, I I wish I knew more about it, but it's been backlogged ever since I started reporting on this a few years ago. So I think that's going to be a really significant challenge, and and you want to vet families, you want to make sure homes are safe. I think the shelters need more cultural competency. Those those sound kind of like words that don't mean a lot, Mm -hmm. but in speaking to the workers, there's just huge gaps between like their knowledge of, you know, what these kids typically look like and what these kids are like and experiencing. The staff feel like they need more training. There needs to be more staff. A lot of kids are requiring one-on-one attention. And every time you pull one person off the floor to work individually with one kid who has psychiatric needs, that means like there's one fewer body who can like clean the floors or, you know, distribute the lunches, et cetera. So I think there's like staffing issues and that's been a perennial problem at Heartland. Um, And I don't know whether that's something ORR could step up and and do more of. Yeah, I think more training, more staffing and just the maintenance of the the interpretation levels. And and I think Heartland is trying to hire staff that speak these languages. Um, But I I know hiring processes in general and organizations like this, they take a while. But that's something that would be helpful. Such great reporting. That is Melissa Sanchez with ProPublica. Thank you so much for the update. Thanks for having me. What a troubling story. Well, that's it for today's Reset. For more of our interviews, subscribe to this podcast. And please give us a rating. It helps other listeners find us. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Thanks for listening. We'll meet again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the news live on WBEZ and NPR. The WBEZ stream sounds great in the kitchen on your smart speaker and anywhere on the WBEZ app. Listen every day.